That's, you know, part of you're talking about mental strain. It's 365 days a year, no sick days, no holidays, no days off. I can schedule some stuff, you know, out. I can, I hire my cousin sometimes to come in, but it's every day. That's Brian Holt. His family's been farming in Wisconsin for over 150 years. He's a fourth generation dairy farmer. We're going on another road trip this week. The third part in the four part series, Farmers Have Feelings. Putting the men in mental health, this is Mental Health Monday. Mental Health Monday is an informational podcast and should not be used to replace the specialized training and professional judgment of a healthcare or mental health care professional. Mental Health Monday can't be held responsible for the use of the information provided. Please always consult a trained mental health professional before making any decision regarding treatment of yourself or others. Self-help information and podcasts and information on the internet is useful, but it's not always a substitute for professional assistance. Unless otherwise noted, guests of Mental Health Monday are not doctors or licensed in any way. Our hope is to make a connection with you and be more open and honest about everyone's mental health. Enjoy the podcast. This is my favorite part about the farm. Rolling up in that gravel road. Check it out. I love it. Oh, they got a horse. It's a horse or a pony of some sort. I don't know which one it is. By the way. <laughs> Hello, how are you? You hear that I was greeted? That was actually a pony, and his name is Buddy. I'm a city slicker. I learned something. <laughs> and then up walks Brian Holt and his cousin. This is my cousin, Dagny. Dagny? Yep. Riggs. Oh. Nice he to meet you. <laughs> Elbow bump. You got... What's on your hand? Is it just mud, or is that poo? Uh, is that full-on buddy poo? Oh, it's mud. What is that? He made fart noises? <laughs> <laughs> How old is Buddy? Buddy is a 16-year-old pony. What up, Buddy? Yeah. How do you approach a pony? Just, um, just the... not from the back. <laughs> Never from the back? Right. Well, that's with all horses, yeah. I they... shall tap your snout. Does he have any tricks? Can he do anything? He can pull a cart if I had a cart to hook up to him. <laughs> yeah. He was raised by the Amish up by La Crosse. Oh, really? He's a work work pony. Now work he's pony, en- huh? enjoying his retirement in my mud hole. Does he really pull a cart? He does, yeah. Post-production note to self. I should have made a one-trick pony joke there, but I didn't. I digress. Let's go. How long have you been doing this, by the way? I started basically milking cows when I was four or five across the field there at Sugar Creek Dairy, which is what my dad built with a business partner in the 90s. Um, I worked a salaried wage, which is basically how I made my allowance growing up. And then uh, I went to high school and college in Milwaukee. And after that, about 2011, I rode my bicycle across the country. How far across the country are we talking? Like Connecticut to California, or are we talking... Uh, I did Milwaukee to Seattle and then to San Francisco. That's cross-country for yep. sure. Yep. So this is just you, and uh, you said your dad's here as well, so you guys do kind of a dual thing? Correct, yeah. So in 2011, when I was done finding myself, moved back to the country, which is what I just... Oh, you just stepped in poo. <laughs> you don't even notice it anymore, do you? No. 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 It just happens. Just let it happen. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I was like, oh my God. He's going to hit it. He's going to hit it. He's used to it. He's fine. Go ahead. So you and your, your, you were saying about your dad. Yeah. I moved back here. He had just sold out in 2008 and was uh, not really doing too much. You said sold out. What does that mean? It means uh, he he had um, one third share still in the dairy across the way. And he gave a buy sell offer to his business partners and they chose to buy him out. So he sold out of that for some land. But um, being an old school farmer, he wasn't uh, happy being idle. So he was doing uh, hoof trimming and some side projects, uh, raising some cattle for 
for some people. But there was an opportunity when I moved back to start a business together with him, which we did in 2011, uh, BBB, which is our custom heifer growing operation. So we raise all the dairy heifers for Hordes Dairymen out of Fort Atkinson. Heifers, female cows that haven't had calves, correct? Actually, you can call a heifer all the way up until she's had her second calf. But for the most part, that's that's accurate. Yep. A single calf mother? Uh, yes. Yep. It could also be a heifer. Yeah, a younger, younger female cows. Yep. I was uh, making the drive out here. It's incredibly desolate out here. Does the isolation get to you sometimes, just being almost feeling like kind of lonely as well? I mean, you're an hour away, but that's an hour drive. Sometimes. I mean, we're in a we're in a digital age now where it's much easier for me to maintain communication with people. And I, I'm a bit of a socialite. I tend to spend my free time. Uh, I'm in several community service organizations, and I spend my time going to meetings and seeing people in town. And if people never left their houses out here, I could see that. But it's a, it's a pretty vibrant social scene. You said something, an F, an F word I don't hear from farmers a lot. That was a free time. <laughs> yeah, um, there's not a lot of it, and I tend to fill every single minute of it with... Uh, um, something non-farm related? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> we're gonna we're gonna make a, a jump from introduction here into more of a deeper issue if that's okay with you. But for me, almost all my income is rental based, where I get a, a fixed price per animal per day. I have one employee who's my dad, who is an extremely hard worker. And when I bought out this business from him two years ago, he stayed on as basically a full-time employee. But the efficiency that we do together, I mean, we're making a decent way of it. I mean, I've we haven't really seen an increase in price in the eight years that I've been doing this, but it's, I've been extremely fortunate. And being my own boss and being able to set the times when I would need to do side projects, I have some of that free time that other people don't have. And part of that, it was hard to process a couple of years ago when it was, we were seeing more and more people struggling to maintain their businesses. The dairy crisis everyone talks about. Yeah, yeah, but it's been around for longer than it's been talked about, you know. And is it sl- I've heard it's been on a decline for quite a while. Yeah, yep. A lot of that is just the. There's so many different factors, but a lot of that is trends. Some of it's exacerbated, obviously, by current trade scenarios, um, all milk alternatives, people, you know, moving off of dairy products just in general, uh, a giant surpluses that have been able to be accumulated over the last, you know, 10 years of low prices. I know you can stockpile cheese, it just gets better. You right. Know, you know, when the, some of it does at least. Yeah, most of it. <laughs> But yeah, so so it, when I was doing okay a couple of years ago with that, I tried to change that uh, that free time that you speak of instead of <laughs> relaxing or playing video games or going out. I joined two different service organizations. Um, I, I'm running for local office, um, trying to bring a voice of people who don't necessarily have that free time back into local politics. And that's kind of been my salve for dealing with uh, what is honestly a bit of a feeling of guilt for doing okay. And I know it sh- I shouldn't feel that either, but... You were mentioning this on the phone. Uh, you have kind of a uh, survivor's guilt almost from people that close around you. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, um, I was able to purchase a skid loader for maybe 40% of what it would have been worth, you know, many years ago with really luxurious trade-ins. Um, even because my credit line has been okay, it's easy to sustain, you know, to get a loan for it because they can see my books have been fairly consistent. Um, as the other people around you close down, there's <laughs> there's a chance that, you know, the... You're going to wind up with their stuff? Yeah, yeah, that's so morbid, but it's it's true. And it's 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 hard to see because you can see that effect cascade outwards and you don't know how long it's going to last you know if the if the farm store closes down or the 
Fleet Farm goes out of business or your supplier, you know, closes a depot that's close by could make your life hard. You know, it's everything's tied together. But right now, yeah, yeah, that's it's hard to deal with because I can see other people struggling, which is, like I said, why I tried to find a way to give back. If you yourself found yourself struggling like that? The first year I bought out my dad, I was new to having all the responsibility on my shoulders and the taxes from that kind of purchase. And there was a lot of complications the first year, broken down truck, broken skid loader, major repairs. Um, I definitely had to take some some loans from family members that I had to pay back. And it's um, the feeling of why I left the city in the first place was financial insecurity. And to have it again after I'd made my decision to come out here was really hard to deal with. And um, I see it all the time. My, my partner, uh, she's a teacher in Milwaukee, and even our joint salaries together, um, it's a good thing that I'm being fairly successful out here for her, which is hard, hard for her too. So, how do you uh, how do you deal do you deal with any mental health struggles on your own? As far as just getting, I'm sure anxiety's got to be at an all time high. With you're your own boss. Yeah, this is your bread and your butter, yeah. literally almost. Yeah, my my family, like many families, uh, we have a history of um, bipolar. I I can feel it in myself. I go through cyclical depression. I would say it's fairly fairly what I would call moderated there's very my highs and lows are nothing to scoff at and I mean not not that extreme um I I there's days I get up and I feel better than I should and days that I know I feel worse than I should and honestly when I I deal with that just through buckling down and getting the work done um I'm naturally a very extrinsically motivated person and part of their having livestock every day is I know that if I don't go out to the calf barn they're not going to eat you know, they're not going to get taken care of. Having live creatures to take care of is extremely motivating. It has to build a bond with those creatures, I would think. <clears throat> yep. You know that they're there and they're waiting on you. And if you don't go home and that's, you know, part of you're talking about mental strain, it's 365 days a year, no sick days, no holidays, no days off. I can schedule some stuff, you know, out. I can, I hire my cousin sometimes to come in, but it's every day. But in a way, um, that's a strength rather than a weakness. I, I know that I have to stay consistent. I'm home every night at 1130. You know, it really moderates um, any type of risky decision you're making. I've yeah. become a very, you know, straight-laced guy, you know, in, even in my early 30s because I know I got to be out here and I got a lot of responsibilities. So I've, I've found it a strength to moderate how I feel in, rather, than a, rather than a burden. Yeah. Are there any programs or people that reach out to those guys that are losing their farms that are it's going down left and right. Maybe those guys that may not have a support system. Is there any resources for farmers around yeah. this area? Um, <laughs> I wish there was more. Um, I don't know how much you've been following local state politics on how that's going. There was um, my personal opinion is, God, there could be more resources. How it's implemented and how you do that. Um, telling somebody they have an alternative, teaching them um, how to grow an alternative, you know, an alternative crop, a canning, a canned food, blueberries, asparagus, something. How to market this? Giving somebody tools, perspective, um, something to be aspirational towards. Those aren't necessarily mental health programs, but that can keep somebody going just like just like therapy would. Yeah. And there's there's a lot of pride in people in agriculture and for good reasons and bad reasons there's there's not a lot of cries for help you mentioned the dairy crisis nobody's talking about it because nobody wanted to talk about it it took years and years for it to filter up through secondhand information because you've always been able to just work harder to survive and we're hitting a point right now where that's just not the case anymore you know you, there, there's there's something else the 
the efficiencies are outside of the control of just one person being able to put in more hours per day. So would I like to see more services available? Yes, that's part of the reason I'm running for local office here in Walworth County. Does it have to necessarily be for, for, for therapy? I, I don't know. I, I think that's probably suitable for some people, but giving people an option and an outlet, God, that would do, that would do wonders. Have you sought out therapy at all yourself? Um, no. Uh, I, I did, God, we did when I was a kid with my mom during for a while when I was pre-high school. I know it was useful to me. Uh, I was for six or seven months. that I was able to take a lot of lessons from that. I'm an avid book reader and podcast listener. Part of the reason I chose this lifestyle is because I can consume seven, eight, nine hours of literature a day, listen to it while I'm on the skid loader track. Oh my goodness, I can imagine. How many books do you roll through? Um, I've, I've read, in 2019, it was like 40-something books. Read or listen to or both? Listen to, yeah, yes. yeah. I can, I, 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 my free time in the, in, inside when I want to sit down with just a book, I'm a multitasker, so I like to do other things. So I keep it, I'm an auditory learner anyway, but um, I do like sitting down with a book every once in a while, but almost all listening. Yeah. And then podcasts, is, I got, I do news all day long. And like I was saying, um, there's a lot of resources out there in that new medium for mental health exercises. There's a lot of, uh, meditation that comes through labor. That's some of the best stuff where you can just try to clear your mind, focus on what you need to do. The animals bring me back to earth all the time too, where you just focus on, you know, their life is important and they got to get through these essentials. Brings that perspective back down into the barn as opposed to wherever it goes, national politics, foreign policy, all that stuff that can kind of pull you away from you know what's happening here yeah real quick what's going on over here we've heard oh, some construction yeah. okay background noise we can go around the corner but just well real quick what's going on though what are they oh, doing are they um, fixing building my, upgrading these are my barn wizards they appear precisely when they mean to and uh, they're doing some upgrades to my three-sided barn there i'm getting some sliders so that we can put bedding in from the street side because it's very difficult to march bedding around by hand through the other side of the barn. So. I bet. And Buddy's got an, a watch on him, right? <laughs> yeah, the pony will keep him in line. I was curious if Brian had ever been affected by suicide, like if he knew the Loganville dairy farmer, Leon, who had taken his life last year. Ooh, that's a, it's a fine line, too. I know people who've, who've passed because of what would probably be designated as the opioid crisis, although there's some blurry lines there between one and the other. Oh, an overdose and a yeah. suicide, if it is, yeah. can yeah. it be classified? It cannot, so. Yeah, um... I've been extremely lucky that it's somebody I didn't know directly or worked with directly, but as you said, that cascades through, you know, you hear about it, and as people that my dad knows closer than me, and, you know, at the end of the ag newsletter we get from the Farm Bureau, you know, there's a, you know, your suicide hotlines attached to every email these days, and <clears throat> it, it makes you think, and it's, if I was putting my finger on where it's coming from, <laughs> when you've... The amount of people necessary to farm is declining. You, you have a big agribusiness, 10,000 cows, 10,000 milk cows. They're not necessarily doing it worse than everybody else. It'd be nice to demonize them, and I, for political reasons, I, I won't. You know, well, you got big companies. I mean, look at Walmart, look at Costco, look at these. these yep, yeah. yep. There, there are some things that are bad. I think having a, selling organic milk when all the organic milk is coming from single sources is pretty disingenuous to the people you're marketing the product to. But that's national marketing laws. That's not. That's not local issues. So. When you need less people and less and less, and it's getting more and more efficient, you have 
with how farm prices have been going, you've been people that have been leveraging their homes and their their all of their assets in order to keep farming because they were going to pass it on to their kids or grandkids. And their land is the, their has been their livelihood. Almost everything a farmer has has been you've invested it into your you know your physical standings when that's gone and they become not necessary anymore and their kids are not coming back to the farm there's more and more what would be a brain drain where the you know the people who want to pursue higher ed don't tend to come back out to the country it was a decision i had to make after college to come back out here i was in the minority for sure when you're done and then all of a sudden all of your assets are gone because you're you've been you know nobody's your family's not there to help work and it's disappearing and all of a sudden you just have debt instead of a retirement god you can see that train and i i can empathize with that people uh, i i can see it. it it would be absolutely wonderful if there was a, a safety net where those people could continue to feel worth where they'd want to continue where they could even stay out in the country and not have to move to a city into a nursing home something that's so against what their cultural identity has been but that just doesn't exist right now and and when they're going they're not going to to attack anyone or to to get back at their family or other reasons that exist it's they've never been useless before in their life you know they've always been able to work harder and get it done and now they've hit an age you know, it's not youth suicide. It's the older generation. Older men, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Did you hear um, accidents that happen a lot that are very suspicious accidents with farmers? Yeah, there's there's um, <laughs> how we insure ourselves is very complicated. Farming is an extremely dangerous profession. Fifth most dangerous or something from just in general from accidents. Uh, I have, I'm a skydiver, by the way. That's crazy for me. Yeah, yeah. No, if, if something happened to you out here, I have almost $5 million in coverage that would go to your family, etc. If people see that as a way to cross out some of their debt when they move on, sure. But it's like that for anything. The restaurant industry, too. The restaurant burns down three times in a year. you got to wonder. Was it an accident, really? What's What can the general public do? I've asked kind of everybody this. Sure. What do you think the general person that doesn't live out in here, because the majority of people are in the mm-hmm. metropolitan areas, the suburbs, what can they do to just to maybe appreciate the farming industry, agriculture in general? Yeah. People who are out here growing your products have almost no control over the marketing sales or the, the middlemen that are controlling the prices. Um, I, I say be an informed consumer. A lot of that is going above and beyond like knowing which brands to grow or buy in a grocery store. If you can make it to farmers markets or, draw, or buying direct or co-ops or even buying seeds or people from or doing it directly, that's how you're turning your money. Give it to somebody who actually created the product. Everybody else, the, the money right now is being made from the people who are taking the product and then giving. You know, the price of cheese has gone up crazy because we figured out that people buy cheese no matter what it costs. The price for buying milk for cheese has continued to drop. So if you can buy cheese from someone who made that cheese and you'll pay for it, like do it. And and that's, it's hard. It, like, like most things, if you really want to be effective, where you put your money is going to make, going to make a difference, but it's, um, it costs more. It's in, it involves sometimes travel. Not everyone has the capability to do that. Um, I understand that too, where cheap food in America has been happening for, 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 you know, a hundred years. You can get a happy, you can get a happy meal for two bucks. Uh, That is, that does, is not reflective of what food actually costs to produce. You know, if you, if you want grass fed, organic, free range beef, you're going to have a $15 McDonald's meal if that was everybody. And it's not that that isn't a great aspiration, you know, better animal health and stuff, but there has to be something in the interim that's going to create food so that you're not creating poverty. You don't want more people hungry. 
but right now there's there's a disconnect between the producers and the consumers both are too low but you know somebody in the middle's making money on it not to harp on federal problems again but there there is so much stagnation and everything that's happening on the federal level where's the energy to look at this type of problem there just isn't right now we're pretty dysfunctional and we're happy when a new farm bill passes i know that there's probably there is people working on it hard but there isn't the type of debate and change and stuff that needs to to change when that happens that's where you come in right hopefully maybe yeah maybe i mean at a small level sure i mean and the thing is too is we got to we got to decide where we're going to be if in 15 20 years from now we're going to go down to only one percent of the population in agriculture instead of you know what it is now which is the trend we need to know where the other people are going to go if we've decided that cheap food and cheap production and mass production is the way we're going to do it then the people that want to shop local from a specific person those people need to be trained to create that product safely and and create healthy products for people that have the resources to do it but that's not an answer to mass production there's going to be two lanes you're going to have your giant giant farms and you're going to have your locally produced locally sourced food to table restaurants etc and if not everybody's going to fit into those two things because the latter doesn't work if everybody's doing it you can't have you know everybody and you always have to have options at the end of the day for capitalism in general yep 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 (laughs) but it's as capitalism the eventual goal is what complete removal of the workforce you could have total automation that's the cheapest way to do it a workforce that doesn't need to sleep or eat or buy insurance yeah. Do you have what's the kind of what's the technology like here on your level? Pretty here? minimal. Uh, everything is designed from 1965 onwards or so around a skid loader, where you, everything's done. I, I own three skid loaders. I can feed almost 600 calves with just me and my dad in a couple hours every morning. It's pretty efficient. Yeah, everything I do is based on efficiency. What are machines? You're a machine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I definitely need them. I move an awful lot of weight per day. Yeah, yeah. So they're they're useful. But it's a few trucks, a wagon, some skid loaders. And it's obviously it's the technology I feel the most, and this is a bit of a tangent, is in the the sexed semen for dairy animals. The sexed semen? Yeah, so you know bull calves anymore. So you used to be 50-50 shot. Now they can put it in a centrifuge and only get the female chromosomed sperms. So my job as somebody who used to get 50% of the calves born, now I'm getting 95% of the calves born. Here you go. You got genetic efficiency has increased. You got all these extra heifers. You're flooding the dairy industry with more female cows. You can cull more, keep the better ones. You're flooding the beef industry. Just that one technological change and boom, an explosion of efficiency in the dairy industry. So I've increased uh, the amount of animals that we've been taking care of in the past couple years. And now I see maybe 15% of the animals that I have won't actually enter the dairy herd. They'll be sold to other places because we're doing a good job. We create a really quality product. The farm's benefiting from us, you know, creating. Is there a lot of competition between dairy and the crops and agriculture? Do they kind of compete? Mm. Is it kind of aggressive? No. Nope. It's all, it's a, they're in harmony with each other. Like I said, nobody really controls their product <laughs> right. anymore. So um, you and like what Jacobson or whatever down the road don't get in fights or anything like that? You guys no, get along? It's pretty, remo- it's pretty removed. This, the, here's another tying it back to mental health again. We're competitors in general in the giant pool. If you think of all the milk produced in the country as a single entity, we're competitors, sure. But you have generally have goodwill to your neighbors. You want them taking good care of your land. You know, there's camaraderie. There, most of, even now... 
everything's based on personal relationships. You know, my feed producer is my dad's cousin. My co my other cousin works for me. You know, I've he's known people since high school who do hay and delivery and straw straw delivery for us. So it's having those relationships was really important to being successful too. So when those people disappear, it gets gets harder to do that. You all reach out to each other every just to check on each other, just mentally to see how things are going. Like, hey, is everything all right at the house or yeah. how's business? Um, <laughs> that was the implication that's that's come down that farmers will just look after each other and that'll be good. No, no, I maybe there is, but you're getting back into the pride factor. You know, there, it's hard to even know how somebody's doing financially, let alone mentally. And they'll talk about finances before they'll talk about mental health. It's men in general too. Yeah, yeah. I I would like to think I'm not. I, I'm a little bit more open about it. I'm definitely of a younger generation, um, but uh, yeah, I'm probably a bit more unique in the, my openness than a lot of people. Do you worry about your dad at all with his nuts? Is he kind of as, as open as you, or is he a little? My dad is a is a rock. It's impressive. Uh, he, he's lucked out. It's his uh, my, my uncles and grandfather, etc., that have dealt with stuff, and and he he really brings me down sometimes back to earth, and he's wonderful. I couldn't do it without him. So. That's that's for sure. Family, man. Family yeah. works. Why do you think men are so yeah, we're so reluctant to talk about our feelings? Oh, that's a we're getting pretty meta here. Um, <laughs> uh, gosh, you're you're looking at what forty or fifty years of macho culture that evolved in the early twentieth century that told people how to act and everything from the media to television. Everything was much more homogenous then. You had movies and everything. Sure, but, but people were consuming the same content. You know, now we have the opportunities where almost everybody's consuming things from different places at different times. And um, instead of get, moving people forward, we've striated society where now we're all in our different lanes. And you have people that have kept up, let's say, a more reserved tradition of the 40s and 50s or are of that generation. You have people progressing much faster in another lane, and now there's judgment because people can't relate to each other anymore. We're not consuming the same stuff. I think that'll change. I think it's just talking about stuff is so important. If it's your family, if it's your friends, if it's your community around you, just getting it off your chest. I think people will realize that that's one of the most important things you can do to stay in, in tuned. And I encourage anybody who's dealing with it to find that friend to lean on. And there's opportunities out there for men. Some of the charity groups that I've joined, I'm in the Lake Geneva JCs and these are guys focused on the betterment in their community, and while there's not a lot of farmers in there, there's there's people I know I could call on in a crisis. And uh, just knowing that that's there is really important to, to feeling good about yourself, too, even if I don't ever have to call on it, just making those connections. But don't stay isolated, like you said at the beginning, out all alone in the house on, by yourself. Find, find a way to get out there. Let people know. There's no shame in it. People know that we're working hard. It's becoming more publicly known that, that farmers are just, it's not lack of effort. It's, you know, the deck is stacked against us right now. So uh, people do want to help. And hearing that from people is, is really useful, which is why I appreciate you being out here and asking the questions too. So. No problem. The other farmer I talked to said uh, to not honk at you, not be an asshole when you're on your tractor on the street. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> do you run into that too? Uh, no, well, sometimes when I pull it out in a wagon, everybody's in a hurry. You know, it's there's a huge disconnect. You don't you don't see the people making your food. There's a segment of society that doesn't appreciate where it comes from or what people are doing or what it takes. But um, there are people that tend to not live around here. You know, I you know, they're coming through with a certain license plates from south of the border. I oh, I know what you're talking about. The <laughs> FIBs, the FIBs. Yeah, but uh, that that infrastructure, I don't know. It's important to everybody. 
I, every time you're eating something and you're like, wow, that was, I had a full dinner with my, you know, my wife and kids and it, the whole thing cost me $15. Right. Didn't cost $15 to produce. Uh, what would you say if somebody wanted to come out and check out your operation? Are you open to, oh, be, yeah. people want to come and see it? I, I love having people come out and check out the calves and maybe when we're done, I'll go show it to you. I, I'm really proud of what we put together and I like like showing it off to people so of course I'm, I'm pretty specialized there are more indicative dairy farms that people would probably love having people out too so um yeah come visit talk to people learn from things take an ag short course why not learn how to produce something yourself anybody who's decided to grow a garden even if it's in the city a small plot knows what kind of effort goes into just getting a couple of onions 100 percent, i did it too yeah yeah so imagine that on a scale multiplied by thousands and all of your livelihood leveraged every single year on the input to cost of seeds and you never knowing and the weather this year was particularly horrendous for crop farmers and i feel that and the cost of what it costs for me to get my products too so yep appreciate it you know reach out the, the right thing to do is ask if people you know it's maybe not even ask how you're doing but say if you ever need anything i'm there i could donate i can i could ha add my labor to yours if you needed it i think that's a great thing to say to somebody because you're not it's not accusatory it's not that you're worried about them it's like hey if everything if something ever comes up i'd be there for you if you needed me and, and that time, if you're ever in a dark place, there's that memory of somebody saying that they could help if they needed to. And that's that's huge. That's huge for especially somebody who's not as comfortable talking about how things are going for them. Good stuff, man. Thank you so much. Yeah. Brian brings up a good point at the end there. Always letting somebody know that you will be there for them. Doesn't have to be judgmental, just has to be a, hey, you need something let me know. And they might remember that in their time of darkness. If you ever find yourself in that dark place feeling alone, you're not alone. The number for the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline is 1-800-273-8255. Or you can text the word hello to 741-741. That's the crisis text line. I'm glad to know they put the lifeline number on all the materials that go out to farmers. This has been part three of a four-part series, Farmers Have Feelings. Next week, we'll meet a farmer who has turned his suicide attempt into mental health advocacy for the agriculture industry. His name's Jeff Ditzenberger, and we'll meet him next week. We put the men in mental health, Mental Health Monday. It's a Rigs Off the Radio podcast. I'll talk to you next week. Enjoy the rest of your night, your morning, your afternoon, your weekend, whatever it is you happen to be doing. And remember, make good life decisions.